Hey, we're in a series called Being Present, and we have talked about being present with my God and what that means to fully live 24 hours a day uh, in the awareness of God uh, and His presence in my life. And we've talked about uh, being present as a family, with your family, that it's not just about taking time off for uh, fasting telephones or uh, cell phones or TVs and Internet, but that as a family that we would bring church into the home, that we would be in the presence of God into our home life, that church would begin first at home, and then from the home would then build this church, the church of Jesus Christ. And uh, I encourage you, if you haven't heard those, definitely listen in online with those, because today we're talking about the church part. We're talking about being present as the church, as a church that is experiencing the fullness of God's presence together because, number one, we've experienced him individually alone and we're experiencing him as a family in our home life or individual as a single in our home life, and now we're experiencing him together as a church. Uh, so it flows from in the individual, then flows to the home, then flows to here. So we're going to talk about being present in the church today. Uh, you know, it's Christmas time here in December 2018, and uh, many of you may have grown up here, but some of us have moved around or maybe have moved here. And uh, how many people have ever been homesick at Christmas time? Maybe you grew up somewhere, you went off to college, you went to the military, or maybe you had a job. Some of our guys work in the oil field, so they're home. Sometimes they're gone away from Christmas. So I think we can all kind of identify uh, being homesick at Christmas time. And maybe some of us uh, can even think about, the, you know, this nostalgia of Christmas. There's something about this time of year when there's this nostalgia, and we look back when. Some of you may go up to your old family homesteads, or you think about the traditions of, you know, maybe it was uh, special puzzles you'd play with grandma or cocoa with grandpa as a little kid, or maybe it was those family reunion type things you can have, or maybe it was hitting your brother or sister over the head, you know, during the family Christmas times. You know, you have those little traditions. Everybody's got these little quirks that every family does, and somebody put the cookies out, or somebody, you know, wrapped a certain way, or maybe somebody had a certain special dish. Uh, and maybe today you're going throughout your holiday season and, and you're putting up those old ornaments and it just makes you kind of remember days gone by, those heavenly times back when, and you just kind of long that, man, wouldn't it be nice that those times would happen again today? Like, could I just be 10 again and get those toys and not have to worry about buying them? You know, or, or can I, can, you know, or, you know, somebody's making a certain dish and you smell a certain smell. My grandfather, uh, just this, this month, I've kind of smelled Old Spice here and there. <laughs> and my grandfather always wore Old Spice. And just the remembering of that smell, you know, just brings back memories of being small again and, and wanting those times today even for my children, right? And so these precious heavenly memories of the past sometimes can bind us together today to make me want to have that, that nostalgia, that heavenly time right now. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, so, you know, now as an, a parent, I want to have my child experience some heavenly memories. What are some current traditions that you might be doing with your kids or grandkids? You say, this, they're going to remember this and they're going to look back on this heavenly moment where we all get to experience. And, and this, this kind of idea is the idea that something from way back when or some other time, some other place, that memory invites me and challenges me and draws me to experience that again today, and even more so to be together. I want to be together with my family and my church. I love our candlelight 
service where we come together. That's just a good memory in my mind. Or maybe it's those Christmas plays our kids are going to put on. Those memories just kind of bind us together as a family. I want my family to be together on a holiday. Even uh, uh, we do a family reunion every year with uh, my mom's side of the family. And it's not the same as it used to be because a lot of people have gone on. But yet we still do it. And even these children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren we, they're struggling to say, hey, you've got to come to this. We've got to keep this thing going, this family reunion, even though we're all separated and busy and everybody's got different families. But there's something about the memories of when draw us together now. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that and what that means as a believer. Because just like some people long for a heavenly past, the church should be longing for a heavenly future. And it's that heavenly future that really binds us together now. That heavenly future that we would look to and binds us together today. But the problem is in America, in the American society, American Christianity, that so many are so busy, like a family that's growing disconnected and more disconnected, and grandchildren and grandchildren, we don't have the same Christmases we used to. It's the same way with the church. We, we miss out on the weekly worship times together so many times. As a family... Uh, We miss out on the traditions that we have as a church uh, or the fellowshipping from house to house, having true gladness together. Uh, And there's a lacking uh, anticipation as a church that will be together forever, I think, in America. So many are preoccupied with the cares of this life, and we forget we're not promised this uh, earthly tomorrow. Instead, Scripture is all about that this life is living for heaven. This life should be about living for heaven. And the future looking towards heaven should draw me together even more now. Just like I long for that Christmas to come back again today, I look to a future and I long to have that future be with me right now. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. Okay, look in your Bibles, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. We're going to talk about that Jesus has basically said that we don't have to just have a heavenly... He's, he's given us a heavenly tomorrow, but He's also given us a heavenly today. He says the kingdom of heaven has come here, it's among us. And so what He means by heaven is that it's the realm, the rule, and the reign of God. The realm, the place where God is, the rule, the authority, the, the, the power of God, and the reign, the, the tenure, the length of authority, the length of time that God will rule. And heaven is the place where God rules, He reigns, and it's His realm. It's more than a place, a physical place, but it's His authority, His power, His dominion. And Jesus has come, not that we will just have a heavenly tomorrow, but the rule, the realm, and the reign of God came to earth when He stepped foot in this place. And that you and I can have a heavenly tomorrow and a heavenly today. How many want a heavenly today? I want a heavenly today. And that heavenly today, as the family of God, if we can just get a little piece of heaven to hold on to, we'll be bound together in love. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of things. We're going to talk about a pattern to follow. So in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul is talking to these believers. And he says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, 
that there are some whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They, they brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on the earth. They only think about this life here on the earth. But we, he's contrasting, but we are citizens of where? Of heaven, where the Lord Jesus lives. And we eagerly are waiting for him to return as our Savior. In a hyperspeed society, who has time for being the church? In this busy life, who has time for being the church? It all comes back to this understanding of what you believe church is really all about. Is church a ministry of a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist? Is church a building that you go to? Is church a time slot that you make a few times a month? Is church this programming and whoever has the best worship team and programming, the best building, the best coffee in the back? That's what church means to you and that's what you look for. What do you measure off of that? Uh, Or is church this place where volunteers or paid staff members come and they put on this production that will just be like, man, that was a good day today. I came, I was entertained, I heard a good word, I heard a good music, and then I go home. And for most of America, that is what church is. It's this place I go to and someone gives to me something that they have practiced all week long and we pay them to do that and I come and me and my family sit on my row. We may or may not engage with anybody else throughout the month. Uh, and we love people there. It's nice. It's friendly. You got good coffee. They got good programs. I'm glad they have a great kids program because if they didn't, I'd go somewhere else. Or I'm glad they have a good worship team. If I didn't, I'd go somewhere else. Or the preacher preaches less than an hour sometimes. And, and I'm, otherwise, I'd go somewhere else. That's what so many people think church is. But Paul is not painting that picture. He's saying that we are, he gives these two types of people. He says there are earthly minded people and there are heavenly minded people. He says the earthly minded, they love earthly things. They have this appetite towards the flesh. They please the flesh or that's all about their sleep and their sex and their drugs and their money. Or it's all about their entertainment, their hobbies, their pleasures or buying and selling and building all of that. It's all about this life. And it's also focused down here. And it's about political power and struggle and 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 buying and 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 who has what and who has not. And they following all these things. Even some of those go into religious legalism and some will fall into immoral passions. But he says, but all of it is just denying Christ. And on all accounts, it's headed towards hell's destruction. I don't care if it's religiously thinking about here on earth and caring whose pews what, what you wear when you come to church or not, or what the religious rules are. He said, that's that's hell bound. Or he's saying, oh, the people who just go out and do whatever they want, that's hell bound too. But he says that another type of person, that's a heavenly minded person. And those are citizens of heaven. And it's kind of like this. Uh, some of you guys have moved around maybe a lot, maybe, again, a military or the oil field or, or just, uh, you know, for Beth and I, being a pastor, we've uh, had, a, had a lot of different apartments. And do you know that every place you go to, somehow or another, you try to make it feel like home? Now, some houses are harder than others. You can attest to that if you live in really bad places. Uh, but it's like the certain pictures you have or the couches with you or the traditions that you bring along with you. No matter where you go, you want it to feel like home. It's just I've got to have those pictures on the wall. Even if the walls are painted wrong, something you've got to do something to make it feel cozy, to make it feel like your house. Right. You with me? OK, uh, it's the same way. He says citizens of heaven know they're not in the real home 
But wherever they go, they bring home with them, right? They, you, you bring home with them. So I'm talking about heaven. I'm acting like heaven. I'm walking like heaven. I'm decorating my life like heaven, even though I know this isn't my permanent place of dwelling. Does that make sense? Uh, it's like my family came over here after World War II from Germany. And my grandmother and her uh, eight or nine brothers and sisters came on a boat and ported to New Orleans, and they moved and settled in Louisiana and Georgia and Washington State and a couple other places. Uh, and there are those traditions that a man, uh, when they came over, they had to put away. They couldn't speak German anymore. They had to do different things uh, where they forgot all that stuff as little kids. But every year on Thanksgiving, we have to make pierogies. How many people know what a pierogi is? Okay, we have to make them. It's not Thanksgiving uh, without pierogies because that's that tradition they kept doing from way back when. And there are some things that just make it seem more like home. And we long for those things and they bind us together. That if we could get a little piece of heaven to hold on to, it will bind us together as the church. It's a church that is a church that is being present is a church that is engaged in having heaven come to earth. A church that is being present is a church that is engaged in having heaven, the realm, the rule and the reign of God come to earth. So let's talk about a good church member. There was this guy. Look in Colossians chapter 4. I just flip over a little bit. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. What does it mean to be that kind of a church, right? There's this guy named Epaphras, and Paul writes about him. Uh, not just not that they we're just citizens or saints or holy ones or bride of Christ or temple of God, but Paul is talking about a man who really is getting that we're this family We're the adopted sons and daughters of God. We are children of God. And this thing should be stronger than blood. It's it's bought by the blood of Jesus. It's not just my mom and dad's blood and DNA coming through me, but it's the blood of Jesus, the DNA of heaven, that is binding me stronger than even my family, right? And so he says, there's this guy named Epaphras. And Paul's uh, he's wrapping in, uh, in Colossians, and Paul is kind of in prison in Rome. And this guy is risking crossing much of the known world through treacherous uh, thievery and dark, uh, dark wilderness roads and crossing boats and waves and going through all kinds of peril because his church needs some wisdom is in trouble. And so he's planted that church. And so he travels all the way to Rome to go to the head of the empire to meet with a man bound in chains for preaching the same gospel that he's been preaching. So there's a whole risk itself, not only just to travel, but to risk going and talking to a guy in jail who's been arrested for doing what you're doing right now. That's a whole risk in itself. And he's there laboring in prayer. Look what Paul says about this guy. He says, Epaphras, Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, so his, his identity is not only in Christ, but it's in the church. He's one of you. He, he, we, we know that he's one of you. And he's a servant of Christ, and he greets you all, and he always is struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness. He has worked hard for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Herapolis. That's the town surrounding it. And so he's saying this guy has got... A labor. I mean, he has been working with his hands and feet to get here. He's risking life and limb. And then when he got here, man, he was just like blood, sweat, and tears praying for you, his church. He's risked his life for his church. And when he's there, 
He's in constant prayer. He says earnestly. That, that word comes from this, it hurts him. It's a, it means that it's literally hurting him on the inside. It's, it's this yearning, this deep agony for his church. Now, what kind of a person is that? What would make a person love their church so much that they would risk that any one of you, if this church needed a word from God or needed to go get something somewhere, that we would risk life and limb to travel across the United States to go to a risky place and there along the way just be in laboring prayer for this body of believers. Do we love one another in this room that much? Is there that amount of care and concern? And what makes a man do this? And what makes a man like this? Because in so many places in a small town like what we're from, we know everybody's faults. We know what everybody's ticks are. We know their track record. We know that. And it's so easy in in a place to come and say, well, I don't really hang out with those people but I sit over here around this, and there are certain people I talk to. and don't, Come on now. There are certain people I talk to and don't talk to. But this man wasn't like that. He was ready to die for his church family. Am I at that place? Are we at that place? What would take him to that? There's, there's so many things in the American society that we could address, but the majority of American Christians are one word. You know what it is? Busy. Busy. So busy that church is this one or twice a month worship service, which is contrary to Scripture almost in every way. But what if we were busy about being? I'm not saying going to church. I'm saying being the church. What if we were busy about being the people of God that He wants us to be? Not going to church, not attending church, not more meetings and schedules, but just being the people, the family of God. I could schedule meetings all day long, but we still could not be the people of God. What does it mean to be? And I want you to just listen. What I did is I went through all the verses this week about the church, okay? I'm not going to give them all to you because there's a lot. But I want you to, I want to paint a picture on the inside of you of what's possible. Because here's the deal. Some of you need the church. Some of you need someone else in this room. And in fact, all of us need somebody else in this room. But some of us are going through things that you, you are missing out on because the church is not being who she should be. Would it be people to weep with you or rejoice with you? People who could pray for you? People who will serve you in a time of need? People who are around you, who you can lift the, you up? And so uh, that's what we're here. And, and I want you to just, clo- just do me this way. Close your eyes for a second. Everybody around the room, just close your eyes. What would we look like if we were busy about being the church? I just, just for a moment, I want to paint this picture from Scripture on you, what it would look like to be the church from Scripture. It would mean a broken people who are made whole by Jesus Christ. It would mean a faith-filled family bound stronger by the blood of Jesus than the blood of relatives. It would mean each would be filled as a dwelling place of God's Spirit. They'd have a deep connection with God, and each time they'd gather, they'd be more rooted, more grounded in love. They would comprehend more and more every time of the revelation of God's grace and mercy in Christ for them. 
And from this overflow and for this reason, their excitement for heavenly home would daily increase. And their sole goal on this earth would be to experience more and more of the fullness of God together. They could survive all forms of persecution because there was a joy that was set before him and his power was working within them. And likewise, because of his spirit, they would serve and sacrifice one another, giving to meet any need. They'd be gentle and humble and patiently carrying each other's burdens. They'd be a thankful people, full of songs, making melodies in their heart, and a reverent awe of God would be upon them. Each one would do their part, building up one another, and their church would continually grow more and more in love. They would teach one another, exhort one another. They'd speak truth in love. They'd even humbly rebuke if it was necessary, just so that no one might fall away from this common hope in Jesus Christ. The old would train the young, and the young would honor the old. And from this overflowing experience, husbands who've now experienced the full, tangible, manifest love of Christ would love their wives even more. And wives who would now serve and submit to Christ would learn how to truly serve their husbands and be one together. And because of their godly parents, children would learn how to walk in obedience. And they'd be united on earth as they would be in heaven. They would avoid controversy. They'd even put out people who would continually stir division or continue in sin. And they would root out every ounce of falsehood and hypocrisy and legalism and and rituals of man among them because they would always be together, focused on Jesus, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven them. And because of this love and mighty power within them, healings, signs, wonders would follow the word of God as they openly proclaimed it. Gifts of the Spirit would manifest as signs to unbelievers and believers of like as the tangible presence of God filled every room where they met. That is who you are. That's what we're supposed to be. And we're not perfect. We're going to fail on that road. But that is the goal, church. Who wouldn't want to be around the people like that, Miss Georgia? I would want to be here every time. Not the doors are open, but every time you are here. I don't care about the building. It's every time you are here. Every time that we are together, whether it's just two or three in a home, having supper together or crawfish or jambalaya or gumbo, whatever, chili, soup, whatever your your taste palate would want. As long as we are together, I don't care if it's fishing or hunting or shopping or mowing the yard together. It's just that we're together. And every time we're together, we sense more and more of Jesus and that longing for a heavenly home wants me to be more with you, wants me to be closer with you, because when I'm with you, it's like that house where I decorate it to make it feel more like home. Home, this place feels like heaven because you're in it. Because I'm going to be with you in heaven forever. I might as well start liking you now. Right? Come on. I want to see heaven come to earth. And I'm not going to be in heaven attending church once a month. Come on. I'm not going to be in heaven deciding I might want to volunteer or not. I might give to missions or not. I might get involved or not. No, 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 no. I'm going to be all in to heaven. So I'm going to be all in right now. I could end on that note right there. A present people. You know, in this life... uh, 
busyness is kind of this badge, and I am the worst at it. Say, how things going? Oh, this has been busy. Just doing, you know, busy this, busy that, busy, busy, busy. And we all, it's just like this thing that it's like makes you feel you're important or it's your identity or, you know, maybe it's just something you say just so people won't bother you. I don't know what it is. But it's this thing that we say a lot. And one author challenged me as I was studying for this. He says, what if you replaced saying I'm busy with I'm present? Hey, how's it been going? Well, you know, I've just been, I've been pretty present lately. I've been really engaged in being who God wants me to be. I haven't been, yeah, yeah, okay, busy. I've really been engaged with God, engaged with my family, and engaged with my church. If you want to call that busy, then so be it. But I've really been present this week. What if we just checked ourselves every time? I've been been present. I've been thinking about Jesus a lot more. I've been thinking about my God a lot more. Because as citizens of heaven, it should be our goal to be present with God, with our family, and with our church. Here's my challenge, though. I'm going to give you three things to take from this place. You can't do this on your own, and neither can I. I can't make the church be what it should be, and I can't make myself be what I should be. I am powerless to do the things I ought to do, Paul tells us in Romans, except that the Holy Spirit is working within me. I... I this beautiful picture of the church that Scripture paints, it's impossible with man. But it's not impossible with God. And it must be a people who say, I need God, the Holy Spirit, to make me into the church member like Epaphras that I should be. Not for the sake of being a better church member and the pastor likes me more, but simply that I want to be more like heaven. I want more heaven in my life. And I want to experience heaven now. And so the number one thing that we need today is a new mind. It's very simple, very easy. When we're busy, our minds are scattered, our attention is divided. And believers, we have to have a new mind with this singular focus. It's a heavenly mind. And Colossians 3, 1 says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things here on the earth. He's saying, uh, we read in Romans, let God transform the way you think. Uh, even another place it says, let God renew your mind, uh, renew you in the spirit of your mind, that we would put on that new man, that new self, that I need the Holy Spirit to change the way I think. I think so naturally about being busy and doing things and schedules and planning that I say, God, I want to have a heavenly focus And I want to be focused on Jesus' return. And the more I focus on Him and His return, it will properly order my today. So how has my mind been doing? A believer that has a new mind will long for heaven more than the earth. God, have I been thinking too earthly lately? Has my mind been too busy? Where has my mind been wandering? Is it on my house or my kids or my to-do list or my money or my Christmas presents? And all that's none of that bad thing, but it must be in the proper order. I must have a renewed mind daily thinking, God, are my thoughts on your thoughts? Is my mind seeing through your word? God, can you speak to me at any moment? Am I thinking godly thoughts? So I need Holy Spirit, help me, give me a new mind. And then I want to ask Holy Spirit, give me a new spirit, a new spirit. 
Uh, earthly people are often unfulfilled. They're disappointed in life. They're ruffled when things go unexpectedly. And, and we, we strive for things and we don't get it fulfilled. And, and we try for peace. We try for pleasure. We try for happiness. We try for joy. And it never really comes. And you're just this continual longing. You're never satisfied. But the Spirit comes in, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit kind of joins with our spirit and gives us this new spirit. I'm still me, but it's a renewal of my spirit that I was dead in my sins. Now I come alive in Christ. There's something exciting living within me now, and this new spirit comes in. And that spirit, for us, we kind of talk about spirit and heart. He's simply meaning a, a spiritual nature or an attitude or a character. In Colossians 3.12, he says, But put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if you've got to complain against somebody, forgive them. As the Lord has forgiven you, you've got to forgive. And he says, above all else, put on love, and that's going to bind you together in perfect harmony. And he says, and the peace of Christ will rule your hearts. And you've been called in this one family, this one body, so be thankful. And then let the word of Christ dwell in you. That's take residence in you richly. You'll be teaching, admonishing one another. You'll have wisdom. You'll sing songs. You'll have hymns and spiritual songs. Thankful in your hearts. I can't do that. I look at that and you're like, ah, God, how am I going to put on love? How am I going to forgive that person? How am I going to love that person? Let me look at them. I mean, you, you kind of go through these things, especially in your family, and you got people that hurt you, and you got people that for, uh, stabbed you in the back, or you've got people just hard to get along with, and even in the church. God, how can we have perfect harmony? Most churches can't agree on the color of the carpet. How do we have perfect harmony? The Holy Spirit has got to make your spirit new. That You don't care about all this earthly stuff anymore. I just want to be with the people of God and be heaven on earth. So believers that have a new spirit, they'll act like heaven more than earth. So you have a new mind, we'll long for heaven more than earth. We have a new spirit, we'll act like heaven more than earth. And lastly is the new walk. Are you taking steps every day? Every day you're going somewhere, but really where are you going and the Bible says that you can follow the devil into the pleasures and the lusts of this world and the flesh and the mind, and you'll go towards that destruction. But if you're born again, Romans 6, 4 says that you will walk in the newness of what? Life. You'll walk in a new life, a new sense of life, a new purpose, a new direction, a new road. So I need a new mind, Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit. I need a new, new spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Now I need a new walk. I need to begin to go somewhere with God and do things and so heavenly-minded people have a longing for heaven. Heavenly-spirited people have a, uh, uh, an act like heaven. And now believers who have this new walk, they begin to establish and build up more heaven on earth. Paul says, I say walk in the Spirit. You won't carry out the desires of the flesh. But if you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That means stay in step with the Spirit. It's like wherever the Spirit goes, that's where I go. And I began to, He shows me how to establish heaven on earth. I want you to be involved here. I want you to go serve this person. I want you to give this money to that person. I want you to remind you someone else is hurting in this room and that person has put on your mind. You can't do that without God. We need the Holy Spirit to say, God, who should I love? Maybe I'm supposed to call somebody today. Maybe I'm supposed to visit somebody today. God, maybe I'm supposed to give this money to that random stranger today. You can't be the church 
without this engaging relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the reason so many of churches are divided, so many have problems, so many are disconnected, and so many are so busy is that we've failed to be a church that's fully in this working relationship, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That we don't know one another. Now, some churches are huge, and you know they have small groups for that, to get to know other people. We've got small groups in our church. But I should be invested in getting to know you, to love you, to care about you. And we have our small groups that I want to know who your kids are. I want to know what their birthdays are. I want to go to your kids' ball games. That's what small groups are for because it, it invites us to be the people of God. And, and in our small groups, and I've been experiencing it as I travel to each of our small groups, guys will give a word for someone else. Girls will, will encourage one another on a bad week, on a bad day. That's really more of the church sometimes than even on this Sunday morning thing we call church. People are loving People are putting on compassion and gentle hearts and they're serving one another. Are we establishing heaven on the earth? We want to be present with other believers, but the only thing that will change a person is the Holy Spirit, the heavenly spirit being acted in our hearts that we become citizens of heaven. I picture us being like this train at this train station that we're all waiting together there to get on the, the, the train to heaven. And along the way, we're just kind of in anticipation, meeting people that are coming by, fellowshipping. But we're always engaged. When is that train coming? Where's this anticipation, expectation? We want everyone to be on the train with us. All of our family and our friends, all we're ready to go. And there's this constant hustle and bustle. You've ever been to like uh, New York and the train station there? You know, there's this tons of people flowing back and forth. And we want to get more people on, but there's still yet this, we're together. Is my family with me? Come on, we're going to get ready. Any second now, that train's going to be coming. That we're just saying, God, there's this longing for heaven that binds us to be the church even more so now. Amen. Ushers, would you come? We're going to have communion this morning as our response. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. We've got to recognize, number one, that we're not as heavenly minded, perhaps, as we should be. And number two, seek the Holy Spirit to say, God, give us a new mind, a new spirit, and a new walk. Say, God, we want to have heaven be among us. What are some ways that you can be more present as a church member in the body of Christ this week. What is God calling you to? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. You see, we don't have to beg or plead with Holy Spirit-filled people because Holy Spirit-filled people have heaven living inside of them and they want to be engaged with the church. They want to be engaged with one another. They naturally love other people because it's heaven living inside of them. And maybe today you've been going to church, but you really know on the inside, you really aren't where you ought to be with Jesus Christ. That heaven is not bubbling up inside of you. And maybe it's been stifled because of pride, because of religiosity or tradition. You've been taught that you can just say a prayer and be saved But you say, Pastor, I really need to be born again, to be alive in Christ. I want that heavenly excitement 
inside of me. And, you know, there are going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's going to be days you don't feel saved. And there's going to be days uh, you do. It's not about the, the ups and downs, the feelings. But you know, without a shadow of doubt, if you died today, you would go to heaven. That's, that's what it means. That I know that I have God living in my heart. That if I died today, I feel a sense of heaven on the inside, even if my life's crazy, even if I've messed up, even if I, I, I didn't do all that I should have done today, but I sense there's something living within me. If you know that, you're saved. You have a relationship with God. You feel the Holy Spirit alive in you, and He identifies with you that you are God's child. You can cry out, Father, Father, Daddy, Daddy. That's what it means. You, that you can cry out that, and you know, yes, I know because I feel him, I sense him. I have faith in what his word says. I believe it and I receive it. But if you don't know that today, we have an opportunity right now for you to become who God wants you to be. He loves you. It's more than tradition. It's an encounter with the most high God who's living and wants to live on the inside of you. But it takes you repenting of control, of pride, of lust, of, of all the things of your past, and also giving up all of your future to say, God, I will go wherever you go. I'll say whatever you say. God, I'll do whatever you do. I surrender completely. Holy Spirit, would you please fill me? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to know Jesus. I want to be saved from my sin. You can have that today as we are about to take communion.